Welcome to Try This at Home with Leslie and Leslin, a podcast that offers you tips and tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating a better life. Hi, this is Leslin from Try This at Home. I love the existential question, why am I here? There are so many observations and possibilities that investigating this question can be a little overwhelming. And it turns out, that identifying your life's purpose can actually increase an overall sense of well-being. And I find that a lot of people really don't or they are not able to answer that question. So today, we're talking about it. Go ahead and grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in. Hey, Les. Good morning. How's it going? It's good. You know, life is super busy and and I love it that way. I I for some reason I make my life really busy. You know, if I don't have a project I and if I find that I have a little time, I'm like, "Oh, let me jump on TikTok and do a live or let me let me start stripping the paint off of this piece of furniture or yeah. You know, I I just I guess I just thrive on being busy. I think we're very similar in that regard because I am always genuinely confused when people tell me that they're bored. Yeah. I, I don't, I honestly, I don't know that I've been bored in 25 years. I mean, I really don't, I don't have the bored gene. Yeah. And you know, my mom, and when we were growing up, my mom would say, I can remember saying, you know, I'm bored. And she'd say, if you're bored, I have something that you can do. And it was always dusting or you know, right, yeah. we, weeding or something. So I just learned very early to keep myself busy so that my mother wouldn't give me chores to right. do. And I, you know, I often wonder, is, it, is that how I became so creative and industrious? Because I was avoiding work. You know? Right. Hey, who knows? It's kind of an oxymoron, though, because now... I'm so creative and industrious that all I do is work. work yeah. You know, <laughs> truly, I was telling my girls the other day. I said I literally worked for 14 hours today. Now, I want to make it clear that some of that was work that I truly love. Yeah, and so you know what they say: if you love what you do, you never work. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it's more that I was busy for like nonstop busy for 14 hours, much of that time doing something I really loved. So that's the reality. It's, it's less about this drudgery and more about, I was just really engaged all day long. And I don't think that's a bad thing. No, no, I, I completely agree. I, I love being busy and doing stuff that I enjoy doing. Yeah. So how's online schooling going for you in your home? Well, as we are talking today about purpose, I can tell you that my purpose in life is not to be a teacher or homeschool my kids. That is what I learned. <laughs> not my purpose. It does not feel like joy. It feels like a lot of work. It's a lot of yelling. <laughs> uh, I wake up every day thinking, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to, this is all going to be planned out perfectly. And then this morning, my youngest spent 10 solid minutes crying that he hates school. So 
I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a real fun time. <laughs> I'm. They're talking about sending them back at the end of October now, a little earlier than they had thought. And the the part of me that doesn't want to do this anymore is like, yes, I can't wait to send them back. And then the part of me that understands, you know, this this pandemic is like. Eh, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh it's a weird it's a weird tension to walk, you know, just wanting your kids to be with people who are really good at their jobs, which is not me, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in as a teacher anyway. Or an overseer. I'm not even a teacher. I'm an I'm an overseer. That's what it is. So yeah. Anyway, we'll get through it. So to be honest, I can't say that any of that sounds very much fun. I, you know, having had four children, if this happened 20 years ago and I was having to manage that, I think I would be feeling hyper frustrated too. I mean, and I was an education major and left college because I didn't see myself as a teacher. Right. Right. So... God help you, really. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but I think it is an interesting question. More often than not, people do discover what their purpose is not much faster than what their purpose is. Yeah, and I honestly, I think that's just just as valuable. I agree, but it can be super frustrating, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how many sure. times do people come in, especially in midlife, and they're hyper frustrated because they've been pursuing a particular path for 10, 15 years and they don't feel any more content or happy. And the frustration is real because they're unsettled that they don't have this this sense of fulfillment. Yeah, and I think a lot of that happens, at least in, in my you know, my view here is that, you know, you, you graduate high school and you're, you're quote unquote, supposed to go to college and you pick your vocation and people kind of think that that to a large extent is their purpose. Mm -hmm. And in my, you know, my path was not as straight as that. (laughs) And so I often have wondered, like, am I doing the right thing? And I, I actually still wonder that all the time. I am not convinced at all that what I'm doing now is what I want to do forever. I, I've never felt that way. From a vocation perspective. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is frustrating. And it, it, I'll say it's particularly frustrating because I am married to someone who did have a very straight path. And their vocation, I absolutely believe, was their calling and their purpose, and it, it's all very, all very neat and tidy for my husband, tied up in a little bow, you know. And I just don't feel that way. I I just asked him yesterday if he had any big like career dream, and he said no. He's very, I mean, you know, he'll he'll be a full professor at some point, but he feels very contented and happy with where he is. And I'm like, wow, that is so strange to me. You know, I have to say, I feel the same way. I mean, granted, I'm, you know, 20 years older, but I 
I feel very content with where I am. Thankfully, I mean, I'm on the down slope now, so <laughs> I guess that's a good thing. But it is kind of interesting. There's a couple of quotes that I think are apropos. One is Pablo Picasso. And he says the purpose of life is to give it away. Isn't and that, I find that. I, I've, I've heard that quote. Sorry to interrupt. I've heard that quote, but there's more to it. It's like the meaning, the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of life is to give it away. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think somebody else actually said that, but mm -hmm. you're, you're right. It's, it's, they're both saying the same thing that it's about what just kind of building yourself with joy mm -hmm. and then distributing it. Right. right. Oprah says there's no greater gift you can give or receive than to honor your calling. Mm -hmm. It's why, it's why you were born and how you become most truly alive. And I think that part fits in so well with many of the discussions we've had about authenticity and passion, you know, really being able to, if you're going to live an authentic life, how, how do you find out your most authentic self? You know, you have to find yourself and then you have to say, where am I engaged in my most authentic self? And it, it might be only in part in your vocation, you know? Yeah. And it, I think it's really important to maybe think about what it means, this idea of having a purpose. And it seems that it's not unique to just a few people, that actually it's part of our evolution. And maybe in part so that we can accomplish big things together. It's also people who have a sense of purpose. We've established that they have better physical health and they have better mental health. So scientists believe that having a sense of purpose is actually adaptive in an evolutionary sense and it helps the species along the way. Yeah. I, one of the things I wanted to point out too, which I, I think you're a great example of this. And then uh, actually Dustin and I are our financial advisor, which is weird because you were once a financial advisor. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. He was once a pastor and now he's a financial advisor and you are a financial advisor and now you're a therapist. So that's interesting. But mm -hmm. I, your, your vocation being part of it, I think is very important because I feel very, I, I know my purpose for sure in part is to be a wife and a mother. That that part I feel very, very, very sure about and mm -hmm. very content and happy with. The vocation part, I, I don't I don't know, honestly. I have I have such weird feelings about that. But it can change. I definitely think that it can change. Mm -hmm. uh, and and like I said, you you and our friend are are both great examples of that. And you were probably doing what you were meant to be doing back then, and now you're doing what you're meant to do now. And I, I just try to keep that in mind because it doesn't always have to be one thing forever. Yeah, and I would tell you that they're actually not that 
far apart in purpose. Mm-hmm. And even for your financial advisor, all three vocations are focused on helping people. Yes. Yeah. And when I think about what my passion is and always has been, I've always been a helper. Literally my entire life, I've been a helper. Yeah. Down to running diapers to the trash for my mother, you know, <laughs> after my little sister was born. Now, was I born that way or was I formed that way? You know, yeah. that's the yeah. age old question. But. I do believe vocations can change. You know, there's a really interesting little book. It's a thin little book. It's called The Monk Who Dro- or the Yeah, The Monk Who Drove a Ferrari. Uh-huh. And it's an older book at this point, but it's uh about this Wall Street executive and he might even have been a trader who made a ton of money and wasn't fulfilled. Mm. And ultimately, he went on a Tibetan retreat, and he became a monk. And then he wrote this book. And there are, frankly, there are lots and lots and lots of stories like that. But I think it's this quest to have a sense of fulfillment is part of our human condition. Yeah. So The people that research this, because it is a science at this point, say that there's actually two things that create a sense of purpose. And I I think it's super important to talk about this because one is, how do I use my special gifts? And we talked a lot about this when we talked about authenticity in the values and action inventory. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember exactly when that was, but... We talked about how in Elevate, in the Elevate class, I help people. So everybody takes that values and action inventory assessment. And we really focus on the top five values that are expressed. And when those values are integrated into our daily living, we are going to feel as if we are striving to achieve our purpose because if and and i just think it's pretty interesting my top one of my top values is hope and as a therapist hope is a big part of what i sell yes right you know Uh, yes it, it really is if if somebody can leave my space notice i don't say office anymore (laughs) If somebody can leave my space and feel more hopeful about their life, I just did my job. And interestingly, hope is my top value. No matter how many times I've taken that assessment, hope comes out as number one. And I, so it's no wonder that I love what I do because I'm working in a profession that is either instilling hope or noticing hope yeah and feeling hopeful right I'm, I've always tell people look I'm a romantic I believe in marriage I believe in your relationship if you put the work into it I think I can help guide you there yeah and that's and that's a statement of hope yes and I think everything that we have talked about really 
in recognizing things in yourself and becoming a, a better person or a better version of yourself, that is also hopeful. Yeah. So that might be why I like doing this. Yeah. You know, yeah. because I I might be talking to 10 people. I have no real way of knowing. Right. <laughs> you know? right. right. But going back to what science is telling us. So number one, it's using our gifts. But number two, our purpose seems to grow out of our connection to others, which is partly why you probably feel connected to your husband and your children. And it's probably in part why you are so um, adamant that you feel that that's part of your purpose. Likewise, yeah, I have four kids. I'm I'm very connected to them. I do feel that that's part of my purpose. Yeah. It, and it's interesting. Some of this is kind of anecdotal understanding because one of the things that we recognize is that people who are isolated often have a crisis of connection. Right, They have a crisis of purpose. What's the point of me being here if I'm just sitting here by myself? What's the point? Right, right. Well, I, I just keep thinking like, yes, I would 100% feel that way because imagine if J.K. Rowling, you know, obviously she's a gifted writer and I, I would think that most people would assume that that's part of her purpose. What if she wrote all those books and then just, never showed anybody did it did nothing with him exactly yeah. i mean that yeah. that is i mean now knowing the gift that we were all given with that i mean come on if you're not a harry potter fan like get with it but uh, <laughs> you know that that is a gift to me i myself my children countless millions of other people you know have all enjoyed it and thank goodness she put that gift out there for us i mean i'm thankful that she did honor the calling of her purpose Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because we can't have a discussion about purpose without kind of talking about how to foster a sense of purpose, how to find your purpose. Right. Right. Yep. And I'm going to use an article that's a couple years old now from 2018 in the Greater Good magazine. It was written by Jeremy Smith. and one of the first things that he re- uh, recommends is reading. Yep. And I, so your point about Harry Potter, I think, is very apropos. What did those books do for the world? What did they do? Well, aside from just giving everyone a really lovely story, I think it taught a lot of children a lot of very valuable lessons. Mm-hmm. And I I could personally go on and on and on about that. But yeah, it, it taught people lessons and it it I think it, you know, it they're actually quite deep. So <laughs> I think people were able to learn a lot about themselves through those books. Yeah, but maybe more importantly, it connected people to a common thing. Yeah. There's right. a there's a huge community of people. I mean, people sort themselves into those four houses and and do things with people in their houses, like in real life. Like, yeah, yeah. crazy. Or just how about all the conversations on the playground about Harry Potter, or the number of people that 
stood in line at midnight to see the next movie or the books that got passed around from friend to friend to friend. Right. You know, and I think not only when we read, so when we read, we feel connected to the characters. We might be connected to the author in that way. We're connected to the story. We see ourselves in much of the reading, whether it's fiction or self-help, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But maybe the most important part of that is the connection that's built. And so his first recommendation in terms of how to find your purpose is to read, read, read. Yeah. And we've talked about this a lot too. And I talk about self-help books. I talk about relaxing and getting away and connecting to fiction. I think whether it's on your Kindle, whether it's through Audible, whether it's holding a paper book in your hand, just read. Yes. Agreed. Number number two, turn your hurts into healing, which is my middle name. So I think this would be a good time. One of the, obviously, I mean, everyone has heard of this book, whether you're a Christian or not, is The Purpose Driven Life, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's like maybe the best-selling book outside of the Bible. Which should just tell you, basically, with that statistic alone, that people are interested in purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. people bought that book in 2007 by the millions because they were interested in purpose. And one of the things that Rick Warren says in that book is basically exactly this. It's what you go through can either make you better or bitter. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's, a common thread here with this, you know, non-Christian article versus this this book and you have a you have a choice there. Yeah, and when you turn your hurts into healing, often what happens is we share that and and we and people see a healing process because you know, when we're hurting, we often share that. Mm-hmm. And when we're healing, we share that. And so it it provides hope. So that's, yeah. you know, when I sit back and I, I know I've told this story so many times, but when my husband died at 25, well, I was 25. He was, I was 24, technically. He was 23. There's just no rationale for that, right? There's, it's right. so hard to make sense out of that. Or when a child dies and by Finding a way to put that into context of my pain had to make sense. I mean, we've talked about that before. The reason I became a therapist is because by the time I was 45, I was just lathered in pain. I swam in pain. Yeah. And it helped me to find a way to make sense. And today I teach from that. Often therapists... Or, and addiction counselors, there's they they are people who've been through the trenches, yeah. And they teach from their pain. All most of these authors, you know, to include J.K. Rowling, you know, they talk about healing from the pain in the discovery of their purpose. Yes, and she, I mean, she's another good example. Like this is a, an example again, I should say, but she was in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, that I think these books were her way of dealing with that. But, yeah, uh, agreed. You know, so many authors will tell you that. So many of them. Sure. All right. Number three, cultivating gratitude. We also <laughs> have a podcast just about <laughs> gratitude. Uh, I do these monthly seminars at a local retirement community. And I think every single seminar for seven years, I give 10 of them a year. And I think every single time I have said gratitude is one of the features or one of the attributes that will help you feel better. We cannot say it enough. Yeah. Um, the, ex- and the other part is of gratitude is awe. Mm. And I'm still freshly experiencing the sensation of awe when I look at my new granddaughter. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say kids make it easy to be in awe. And nature. Yeah. Yeah. Kids and nature. You know, it's and can I just I mean so all right, let's think about this. Because I could we could probably talk about this for hours, but The miracle of an infant is is puts the awe in awesome. You know, it just it it just is. No matter how many times I see it or experience it, I'm just still so equally overwhelmed with the miracle of it. Yeah, but I I feel that way about a sunset too. Hmm, yeah, you know, like no matter how many sunsets I've seen in my lifetime, when there's a beautiful sunset, you just sit there in awe of it. Yeah, or the the sky is brilliantly pink or purple, or you know, just something. It's hard not to. It's hard not to take a picture. And what does everyone say when they take a picture? This doesn't represent what it really looks like. Right? They say it doesn't do it justice. Yes, they're just in awe. Yeah, and and you know, I feel that way about the the expanse of the ocean, the majesty of the Tetons. Right. You know, I mean, and it's interesting to me that money does not provide that sense. No. It doesn't. Uh, what well, one time it did for me, but it was it was a funny experience, but we we did all these house projects and we so we had a whole bunch of money that wasn't ours. It was from a home equity loan in our bank account. And you just stand there and you're like, wow, this is going to be gone tomorrow. But for one second, you know? <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember getting my first really big commission check. It had several zeros <laughs> behind it. And, right. you know, and I had been a poor 20-year-old. And, but I, it, I personally don't, haven't experienced the same kind of awe with money as I have with babies and sunsets. <laughs> That's right. Well, and I think it would be it. What you felt maybe with the money from that is also like a sense of pride in yes in your job, and that was represented by money. But yeah, that it's it's not actually money. I mean, money is so fleeting. Yeah, it really is. So it it, it turns out science is saying that. Gratitude, awe, and altruism actually help us feel connected to something larger than ourselves. And, and that's, that's the essence, right? It's, it gives us an emotional foundation for our purpose. Yes. 
So then, interestingly, Jeremy also recommends that we listen to what other people appreciate about us. Hmm, that's interesting. Isn't it? And part of that is because other people can see us in ways that we cannot see ourselves. Yes. And so if we listen to the way that we impact other people, it can inform perhaps the purpose that, you know, what it is that we're giving to the world that we might not personally value or be open to seeing. Yeah, I, I think that is true. You know, I, I view myself as a graphic designer. Yes, I own a business and all that stuff, but at, at the core, I, I would tell you I'm a graphic designer. But I don't, I don't have an interest really in like making planners for people because I think like planners are the thing. It's, it's giving them a tool that makes their life a little better. That's what they tell me. And that's what I'm interested in. I'm not actually interested in printing paper. You know, right. and, and what that does for people. And that's a really good point because it helps you when you're standing there at the at the digital press and you're feeling frustrated because it's jamming constantly. Yep. You can sit back and say, I'm not a printer, I'm not a printer, I am a provider of organization for people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it does help mitigate, I think. On the the days that I'm really tired and I don't think that I can offer or that I have a ton of to offer someone, and then maybe I do a live and somebody says, oh my gosh, this was so helpful. Thank you for being here tonight. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay. There is, there is something there. Yeah. That feels like a purpose. All right. And the fifth thing. And I think this is something that a lot of people don't give enough oomph to or enough credit to, and that is find and build a community. Now, some of us take this for granted because we have a, we have a big community, whether it's through our church, our family, our neighborhood. But I talk to a lot of people who do not have a community. And... If you're an introvert, this can be very challenging. It can be. When we moved here, I had no community, none. And I was 30 weeks pregnant and I had two other kids and Dustin was always at work and I didn't know where anything was and it was bad. Mm -hmm. so yes, I can tell you, <laughs> it was not fun and I am an introvert. And so it, was, it took quite a while for me to find that. Mm -hmm. When I first moved up to that, to your area, I also, I, well, I had three kids, two of them small. Frank was in seventh grade and I got pregnant pretty much right after we moved in with our fourth. And I had a couple of friends, you know, 25 miles away, but nobody in the community. And so being that creative, industrious person that I am, but being an extroverted introvert, right? So there's, you know, that I had that little bit of a challenge. I started a chapter of Mom's Club. Yeah. And, mom, and 
I created a community. I've always been really good at creating a community. Yeah. And there were, there are people that I'm still friends with. And that was 20, almost 25 years ago. And there are people who made friendships, you know, that say that's the only reason they survived their children growing up is because they had a community through mom's club. Yeah. So, it, you know, and today we have meetup and meetup offers the opportunity. You know, now I, here I am an empty nester, a widow, and I had kind of the same issue. So I, I started a meetup and now I'm making friends from the meetup. Dustin wants to buy a Tesla at some point in the future. And there is a, a chapter on Facebook, a little Facebook group for Tesla owners in our area. And they, they meet up in person and do little events. I think that's awesome. And, and the internet gives us the opportunity to build community. TikTok is like that for so many people. There are stories after stories now of people connected through the quarantine on TikTok and they're starting to meet each other. There's a lot of romances. <laughs> yeah. You know, it can be I how many people have we talked to that meet up on Facebook after high school and they get back together or in chat rooms. A community is available if you want it to be. Right. Yeah. yeah. You just have to put in some of that effort. For sure. And then maybe, maybe this, this single most important thing that kind of includes all of these and wraps it up is this idea of telling your story. When you tell your story, when you write it down and you expand on it, all of us can see the change and growth that we've accomplished, even though it might just be a little bit. For some of us, it's a lot. And you can identify the obstacles that you've overcome and you can rewrite the narrative if you need to so that you can identify strengths and see how it's made a difference in the world. You know, and even if it's just the little tiniest way that you change the life of an animal or you gave you were the best friend to a person that didn't have any friends at one point, or you supported a child in a way that was allowed them to do spectacular things. Those are all really important. Yeah. And I would even say that this actually telling your story actually can help you find and build your community. It works. It can work backwards. I mean, how many groups are there for people who are alcoholics, right? Or people who have lost a child or, you know, all of these things that people go through, they tell their story and that can become their community or maybe not that they're one community, but certainly another community. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, and we could probably talk about this in great detail Um, But I just, I think it's super important to understand that finding your purpose is, it's not a one, it's not a, you just wake up one day and say, hey, what's my purpose? You really do need to engage in your life by following these six steps. And that, in fact, is our try this at home. If you have a sense of not knowing your purpose, 
go ahead and pull up the article that we reference here, and it'll be in the show notes, and engage in the process. Keep a journal. Oh my gosh, you know, there's just something so valuable valuable about writing things down. And strive to pay attention. Be in awe. Read. Actively build a community. If you want friends, you have to be a friend and write your story. I love it. Awesome. All right. Anything else? Not, th- not right now. No. We're All right. Down to the end here, though. We only have a few more this uh, this season. Correct. Four more episodes, and next week we're going to talk about. We're going to make some book recommendations. So Leslie and I are always talking about reading, and there's you know often when I do seminars and on my lives, people say, "Hey, what do you recommend?" So we're not going to do full-on book reports, no. but we'll each share a handful of books that have made a difference in our lives and uh, give you something to do over the winter since we'll not be socially <laughs> connecting in the same ways. So with that in mind, we're super glad you're here and we hope that you will share this podcast with people that you connect with. And for now, this is Leslie and Leslin, hoping you will try this at home. All perspectives and opinions expressed during this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health professional.